Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I want answers for you and me and for people of Canada, no matter what your political allegiance may or may not be. We need to know what went on in that land and how China was involved. Because the Chinese government has not exactly been, shall we say, consistently friendly toward Canada. So let's talk about that. Elaine Dewar is back with us. She's the author. This is a remarkable book on the origin of the deadliest pandemic in 100 years. It really is an amazing book. Everyone I know who has read the book just raves about it. And uh, I spent a lot of time going through the book. I I must confess, I haven't read it cover to cover because I can't. I I just spend so much time researching things, but I've spent a lot of time on uh, Ms. Dewar's book, and it is amazing. It is a fantastic read. Elaine, thank you for coming back. Well, it's my pleasure, and thank you for being so kind about the book. Well, it's terrific. I mean, I'm, how much time did you spend researching this? You know, it it was over the course of a year, but I have to say that in that year, I didn't have very many weekends off. It was really go, 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 go as hard as I could. You have so much detailed information. It's like a team of investigative journalists went at this. But you, but you did it on your own, and I, and I know I'm sounding like I'm, I'm a fan, but I am. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I really, I really admire good investigative journalism. It's, it really is what, what our business really cut its teeth on, and that's what we should always be engaging in. But let's talk a bit about this, this, uh, this situation with the Winnipeg Lab. Some background information: what was or is going on in the world of virus studies and development, which would lead to the National Microbiology Laboratory in Winnipeg. Uh, what, what's going on that would eventually turn the compass point toward them? Uh, well, it depends what you mean by the compass point. I mean, there has been a huge expansion of these high containment labs throughout the world. I think the United States has uh, 15. China plans to have five or six within the next few years. Russia is talking about 15. Canada has one. Ours was created in 1999, um, and it was the first and may still be the only um, high biosafety containment lab which studies both pathogens that have uh, an impact on human beings and pathogens which have an impact on animals. It, because it was the only one where two kinds of pathogens could be studied. I think it was a very attractive place uh, for people in other parts of the world who didn't have a similar facility and who wanted to learn from the best. So that that lab in Winnipeg was a world-leading lab for many years. Uh, It was led by a guy named Francis Plummer in the beginning, who was very interested in the origin of HIV, uh, which causes AIDS. And he crafted a number of relationships with leading scholars around the world, especially in Nairobi and Kenya, to explore uh, various theories about HIV's origin and how HIV is spread, and perhaps to arrive at a vaccine. That never happened. At the same time, uh, Ebola became a subject of great interest in that lab, and Heinz Feldman um, went on with various parties to create one of the first Ebola vaccines in the world. So a lab in the beginning with very high level of scientific credibility uh, that may not be the same kind of level of scientific credibility these days. It has 
become a very bureaucratized kind of place. Yeah, it certainly has gotten a lot more attention than it got before, and many questions sort of circulate around it that require answers. Now, your narrative speaks of Ji Zhang Li of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. She was known, you you write, as the Batwoman or Batwoman in China. So, and I'll ask you who she is and what research she was conducting, but let me just go on a little bit further and add this to the question. In 2019, three researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology were hospitalized just before COVID appeared in the Wuhan population, and COVID was adapted to humans already, you write, at that time. What was going on? Well, let's let's start with part one. Shi Zheng Li uh, is a PhD um, who was trained first in China and then got her PhD from Montpellier II in France in 1996. She's a very able scientist um, who initially was only interested in things like pathogens that infect shrimp. But after the SARS pandemic of 2003, along with uh, a group of scientists from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, uh, led by a guy named Lin Fa Wang, who was then in Australia and also with a position at East Normal University in China, uh, and a group of scientists also from the United States, led by a guy named Peter Dajak, um, really decided that they wanted to see if they could track down where SARS had originated, in what animal had it spilled over from. They published a very important paper in 2005, which established that bats seem to carry precursors to the original SARS. And that set off a kind of gold rush uh, among scientists looking for pathogens that might spill over from animals like bats, which carry many different kinds of pathogens, into the human populations that live near them. And so Shi Seng Li's lab became the most important lab for the study of those kinds of coronaviruses spilling over from bats um, anywhere in the world with the largest single collection of coronavirus samples anywhere. When SARS-CoV-2 appeared upon the world, uh, scientists in China actually first raised the alarm that perhaps SARS-CoV-2 had escaped from one of the two labs in Wuhan which study coronaviruses. Shi Zheng Li's lab was one, and another is the Wuhan Center for Disease Control, where another guy had been, you know, wandering around in bat caves all over China for years, pulling back bats and samples from bats for study in the lab. That um, article was published in a preprint form in February and was very rapidly taken down. But a number of people all around the same time became concerned that perhaps this thing had actually escaped from a lab as opposed to spilled over from some animal in, in the Wuhan seafood market, which was the first place that people sort of singled right. out. It's, it's a great book, Amazon. Uh, where else can you get it? Elena, everywhere, I guess, right? Everywhere, but, you know, please go get it from the publisher who also has a bookstore. It's called Biblioasis in, in Windsor. That, Dan Wells really took a big risk on this project, and he really deserves support. Okay, what's the, what's the name of his uh, organization again? Biblioasis. B-I-B-L-I-O-A. Now you've got me. O-A-S-I-S. I know. I make it complicated when my brain's involved. Yeah, brain won't uh, work. <laughs> now, so we're talking about Xi Zhengli. And you told us about 
who she is, bad woman. Now, she finds herself involved in Winnipeg at the microbiology lab. I don't know how that happened. She's saying Lee herself was not involved. One of her colleagues in her lab was. So the researchers were. Right. Yeah, one okay. of the researchers from her lab was working with researchers in Winnipeg. Okay. Let me put this together just in the interest of time, and then you can answer it all. Put it, you, you'll put it together far better than I. So, so they have the Chinese researcher, and uh, we had Canadians um, involved as well. Uh, Dr. Key, right? Yeah, I think the name is pronounced Chu. Is it Chu? Okay. Yeah. So she's involved. She's an award-winning scientist. They're involved in work together. And eventually, in 2019, uh, Ms. Q, or Dr. Q, and her husband are escorted out of the Winnipeg lab by the RCMP, and their security clearances are revoked. Not standard operating procedure. No. So but, tell us what went on. But described by PHAC, the Public Health Agency of Canada, as merely a matter of policy or an administrative issue. Normally, police don't get involved in administrative issues. So the problem here was that it came after... Dr. Q had shipped 15 strains of Ebola to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, to the lab of Xi Zhengli, uh, along with two other kinds of glycoproteins. So you should understand that in Wuhan, the first biosafety level 4 lab in China was built at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Up until late of 2018, that lab, though it was started years before, was not allowed to import Ebola pathogens for study because the bureaucrats in China were nervous about it and they didn't feel that the lab was up to actually working well and safely with Ebola. Ebola is a matter of huge concern to China because it is endemic throughout Africa and Africa has, has, has a huge position on China's Belt and Road Initiative, uh, particularly, for example, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which has minerals and, and of immense importance to the technological industries of the future. Uh, China is very involved in the DRC, and just this week, the WHO tells us that it's yet another Ebola outbreak. So Ebola is a cause of huge concern in China. It's not endemic. They don't have their own strains to study. And Shang Yuqiu ships all of these uh, pathogens to China just as they're biosafety level four is finally available to take them in. In other words, providing the seed strains for China to study. And the question becomes, why was Canada, you know, the, the, the only place or the main place to provide those uh, strains for study? And the answer seems to be that from 2014 onwards, the leading bioweapons virology experts in China were either being trained in our lab, working with our lab, and producing papers about specifically Ebola, Ebola vaccines, and Ebola treatments. It is stunning. It, it really it is stunning. And then for the government to say, oh, this is no big deal, standard operating I procedure. Think it's, a huge deal, it's a huge deal. So the, the, this has to be pursued when Parliament resumes in the very near future. And the the uh, opposition parties have to chase it down because we know that the liberals aren't going to initiate it. But what are the questions that need to be answered, Elaine? And keeping in mind, you told us last time that in China we have uh, more than cooperation taking place between the scientific community and the People's Liberation Army. It may not be exactly voluntary, but that's the reality. No, the reality is that Xi Jinping, the president, ordered years and years ago that military and civilian researchers must work together. Right. 
So um, when you look at who's publishing what with our scientists in Winnipeg, what you find is the name of a person, Chen Wei, who is a major general in the People's Liberation Army. She is the leading bioweapons expert and the leading Ebola expert in China, and she's publishing papers on experiments done in Winnipeg. Does this make any sense to you? Not even a li- doesn't even begin to make sense, keeping in mind what Winnipeg is supposed to be. Right. Winnipeg is supposed to be uh, a, a lab of importance to Canada and Canadians. In order to work there, you need a secret clearance. And yet a number of scientists from China seem to have traipsed through there over the last six-year period. And the government will not answer this basic question. Did they get in? Did they have secret clearances? Who brought them in? Who were they? And the public health agency won't answer questions no, either. it will not. It, it cites privacy r- rules, uh, which is absurd. What worries you? What worries me is that we will not find out what happened here and why it happened here. The government has moved heaven and earth not to answer those questions. And I am really hoping that uh, in this new session of Parliament, we go back to where we left off, which was a House resolution to turn over all documentation unredacted relating to the firing of, of Ketting Cheng and Cheng Yu Kyu. Yeah, I, uh, I'm so uh, unnerved by this because when Canada becomes involved, when our microbiological or microbiology lab in Winnipeg becomes involved, then China is involved, and we don't have the best relationship with China. They cut us off from the vaccine uh, developments, and I, I'm not sure that was, wasn't all unrelated. But we need answers. And let me ask you this. In the minute we have left, has anybody from any of the political parties come to you? Because I think they should. They should come to you and talk to you about what you what you have, or at least read your book. Well, you know, my publisher, who never says die, sent out about 700 letters to people who he thought might be interested in some of the facts in the book. We heard back eventually from a person from the Conservative Party. He put the book in the hands of uh, the leader of the NDP party. I don't know that he did the same with members of the Liberal Party, but certainly they are aware of the book. And the question is whether, you know, they will actually answer some of the questions it raises. I really hope they will. These questions are absolutely in need of being answered. There is a requirement that they be answered, and the federal government needs to turn over the documentation to Parliament. If they don't share every single piece of information with the Canadian people, well, I suppose we could debate that and discuss that, but the Parliament needs to know what went on, and in an unredacted manner. It's too easy to just say, well, we'll just redact this part. We, they don't need to know. Yeah, we do. Amazing book, Elaine. Thank you so much. Biblioasis, right? Yep. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.